Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn. And before we get to a fantastic podcast from Devin at Pana, I want to just give a quick shout out to, first of all, Cruise Consulting, the best startup accounting firm in the world, started by my wife, Vanessa Cruz, and we have 160 clients. We do taxes, we do monthly accounting, we do valuations, anything you need in startup accounting, you can find at Cruise Consulting. And secondly, I'd like to give a shout out to Gusto. Gusto has just announced this week that they're supporting R&D tax credits. That's huge. Gusto is going to let startups submit R&D tax credits, which we prepare, and get a ton of money back on their payroll taxes. So shout out to Gusto. I think they're the only payroll system uh, that's doing this for payroll taxes, uh, the R&D tax credits. So Gusto, great job. Tip of the cap from Cruise Consulting. And now on to our awesome podcast with Devin. I think you're really going to like this one. And thanks, Devin, for coming on. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guest today is Devin Tavona of Pana. Welcome, Devin. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah. So I am a huge fan of Pana. It is maybe the greatest travel app. I'm not even, this is not even hyperbole. I've told you this. By the way, we work together at Cruise Consulting. Uh, but uh, I actually started using Pana the product when I went on vacation and I emailed you when I got back and I was like, holy smokes, this is like life changing for travel. Yeah. So can you come on the podcast? Uh, so maybe just kind of give your quick background and, and how you came up with the idea for Pana. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm CEO here. Um, I'm actually technical by background. Uh, I went to school for engineering. Uh, my first five years of roles was uh, as a coder, um, as an engineer, and um, then as a product lead, and, and most recently as, as CEO of this company. Um, but, but the last company that I was a part of was a travel technology company out here in Denver. Um, and when we sold to MapQuest in 2013, I started, started looking for the next travel technology thing that we wanted to build. Um, and we went through this really, really intentional you know, exercise of customer discovery, you know, talking to a bunch of people before any lines of code were written. Um, and and we, we were focusing on frequent travelers um, because I felt like, you know, I, I had my previous, the previous company was a leisure travel company and, um, you know, was, was interested in corporate travel, interested in frequent travel. Um, and so I just talked to a bunch of travelers, uh, my co-founder and I did. And um, overwhelmingly, we heard you know, two primary pain points. The first one was, you know, Devin, all of this technology that has been built in the last 15 years is, is great. But, you know, 15 years ago, I could just send a email to or, or send a message or pick up the phone and call my travel agent and they would take care of all this stuff for me. And I kind of miss that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've become my own travel agent <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. We, we heard that phrase a lot. And then the second pain point that we heard is, you know, after I get my stuff booked on Expedia or Priceline um, and I need to make a change or I need to make a cancellation or something's going wrong, it's almost impossible to talk to a real human being who will who will give me a real human interaction and, and fix my problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Um, which, which everyone can empathize with. You know, we, we've all been in that travel situation. So um, we set out at the, at the onset of PANA about two years ago to create the 21st century version of a, of a travel agent. To, to solve some of those problems. Um, and, and our vision was, you know, a, a scalable yet human and personable uh, travel technology, personal travel assistant 
that could take care of you uh, where, where, wherever you went, uh, whenever, 24-7. And, you know, we didn't want to build a like boutique travel agency where, where you could do that still today. Uh, we wanted to build a, a scalable internet business um, off of that. And that, that's really where, where Pana started. And the good news is you did it and it totally works. And I, I'm sure, you know, when you're talking to those people who are talking about like kind of 15 years with the technology, but the, the big thing now is that we're all carrying these pocket computers around with the mobile phones and even like cell coverage and all the countries you're traveling in and things like that is so easy now or internet coverage, I should say Yep. that I found myself when I was on vacation pulling out the Pana app and just, Hey, I want to go to dinner tonight yep. or I need a train ride to the next city or our, we actually did this. Our hotel, um, unfortunately was just like in the super crazy part of Barcelona, the Rombles. Yep. And we needed to switch hotels cause we were like on vacation, not on, you know, su- some super crazy high achieving, uh, tourist kind of situation. <laughs> we wanted something relaxing. Yeah. And, the Pana team through the app is able to execute on all this stuff. It's totally wild. Like I really recommend people just download it and just try it at the very least. Cause it's like this mind shift of exactly kind of what you said at the beginning. I, instead of executing on all my own travel stuff through the internet, which is way better than it used to be. Now I get to work with someone who can execute on it for me through the yep. internet. It's just like this really nice second step in the process. Yeah. 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 I, I, I give this talk, uh, which, which is called uh, phones are for talking to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it's all focused around this stat that I think, you know, everyone in the, the tech space has seen at this point, but, you know, a, a study done a, about a year ago that looked at, you know, all of the, what, what are the most successful apps in the history of the app store? You know, essentially like the winners of the iPhone. And, and it's crazy how like four of the five top ones, I, I think I'm remembering the stat correctly, are all chat apps. They're, you know, WhatsApp, they're Facebook Messenger, they're, I think Skype is up there, uh, Snapchat's up there. And it's crazy to think, you know, we have millions of different apps that we can install into our phone, but the ones that everyone are using most often are, are the ones that, you know, are designed to, to talk to people. And, and, you know, I think that there's a, a lot behind that, but, but one of the key insights that we've pulled out of that is like, that's what that screen size is really good for, you know, sending messages back and forth. And I think, you know, that's part of the popularity of, you know, everyone's talking about bots right now, which we can talk about bots if you want. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, everyone's talking about you know, what, what conversational commerce, um, you know, how, how chat is going to change the way that, that we buy things. I think part of the reason for why, you know, Pana is working the way that, that it is, is because we take, you know, a complex interaction, say like, hey, I need to extend my trip in San Francisco an extra day um, and turn that into a text message instead of, you know, pressing around on 15 different buttons, calling five different service providers. Um, instead, it's, it, 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 it's one step. You, you're totally right. I mean, for people who don't know, you have this, you open the app and there's like this little, you know, it's, it's organized per trip you're going to take or have taken. And then there's like the, you click that and there's a chat interface and you just, and it's like, and there's a bot that greets you. I forgot the bot's name, but it's, it's a cute <laughs> name. And then you, yeah, Crosby. <laughs> and then you, you just start telling Crosby what you need. And then the, the aha moment is like a human being. I, I'm pretty sure it's a human being, right? Yep. Like yep. responds back. Yeah. And, and asks you some clarifying questions and gets the context of the situation and then executes. It's, it's really, really well done. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah, and you know, I think the other part that I like is there's another kind of you guys are have like the swipe right, swipe left kind of situation in that your it's your navigation technique where mm-hmm. I can swipe to the right and see my itinerary, and that's really really helpful to have it in app and be able to see like oh my plane leaves at 9:30 a.m. tomorrow, mm-hmm. or I you know or I need to check in for my flight or whatever it is. And then you swipe back left and you're talking to your virtual travel agent again. So it's all kind of in one place. And by pulling, I think you guys must use some sophisticated algorithms to pull that stuff out of Gmail or something like that, the, yep. the trip stuff. But it just simplifies the experience so nicely. It's, it's really well done. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was an early design decision that we made. Um, Pan, Pano 1.0 had... You know all of all of your conversation on one thread, and you know all of your your itinerary is kind of all over the place. And and to bucket everything together in that trip, where you're like in that mindset of I'm in San Francisco right now, or I'm in New York right now, and to have both the chat and the itinerary, and coming soon some more things, <laughs> um, all, all bucketed in there. Um, I, I I think yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that that's working well. It it works beautifully. How do you like? You know, how do you find the people who are answering these questions and what's kind of the what's their profile? Are they ex travel agents or are they travel agents in their spare time? Or, you know, how do you how do you staff that? Because it's it's impressive how how efficient they are and mm-hmm. they ask the right questions. And it's it's actually really I, I, I was imagining I have no idea, but I was imagining, you know, travel agents from all across the world being able to like almost like Uber where they plug into Pana and, and do a couple hours of work and then they go do whatever else they're going to do. Is that how you staff it or what do you do? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question because that's one of the areas where, um, you know, on, on the outset, when we we're thinking about building this business, we didn't realize we'd have to become experts in and, and we really have had to become experts in training, in hiring, in quality control on, on a, a very human product. Um, yeah. And, and I think the biggest surprise for me there is that that it's been our easiest role to source. Um, everyone wants to be a Pana travel agent. Um, in fact, I think, you know, I, I haven't pulled numbers lately, but last time I looked in, in you know, the short two years that we've been around, I think we've had over 8,000 people apply for that role. Um, oh, my God. Are you yes. kidding me? That's amazing. <laughs> it, yeah. I, you know, we, we posted on like remote job boards and, and we've got like 300 job posts in the first or job job applications in the first hour, which is which is great. Wow. You know, and it, and it enables us to be incredibly selective. And, you know, we do only hire, uh, you know, under five percent of the people that, that we're, we're screening. But it, it also means that we had to figure out very quickly what, what we were looking for when we were replacing that role. Uh, yeah. And we ran a bunch of experiments. You know, we, we did hire for former travel agents. We hired, I think, you know, like you said, one of the great things about the role is that it can be done from anywhere. They need access to a good internet connection and a good phone line. Um, that, that's all they need because their dashboard is all web-based. Um, and that, that's one of the great things about the role. And I think one of the reasons why it's so popular is because, you know, stay-at-home parents can apply for the role. Um, recently graduated college students who are, st- are you know, traveling abroad can apply for the role. Um, people who want to work the night shift can apply for the role. People who live in Hong Kong but are American expats and you know want to work, want to staff for our Asia you know, travelers in Asia, you know, they, they can they can apply for the role. Um, so so that I think is what what enabled us to widen our applicant pool. But then when we looked at narrowing the applicant pool, you know, figuring out who who is the best fit, 
we we've actually found that the the single greatest characteristic that we hire for um, is is a natural ability and or formal training uh, in customer service. Um, yeah. And and that is is for us far more important than formal travel experience, because what we found is you know I can train I can train you in travel I can you can memorize airport codes although our our tool is designed so you don't have to but but you can you know you can you can remember cancellation policies you can understand how long it takes to get from terminal A to terminal B in LAX um, but but you can't train a desire to make a customer happy and and so agents that are successful have that that inherent. Here drive. I, you know, we've talked a couple of times about how we're in similar businesses in, the, in that respect, or we, we call it the bedside yep. manner. Um, and like, <laughs> I was like, like a doctor, right. You know, and cause we're like doctors for people's money and diagnosing yep. kind of tracking and diagnosing what's going wrong or what's going right and, and giving them advice. And yep. we find that like, that's one of the, most people don't understand accounting and most people probably don't understand travel logistics. They pr- maybe understand mm-hmm. travel logistics better than accounting, but what they understand really well is your tone, your response rate, the fact that you ask the right kind of questions, the fact that you, you retain the context of the conversation. And so we're, yep. we're like you, we look for the same exact stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. Some of our folks who are maybe like kind of, you know, definitely sufficient, but not like the most exceptional technically in, in accounting, uh, but have the best bedside manner are our most popular with our clients. It's a, it's a, it's fascinating how human beings work like that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love bedside manner. I'm going to use that. Um, <laughs> one, one, one book that we have, uh, everyone read all, all agents read when they join Pana is, uh, Danny Meyer's book, uh, setting the table. Um, about the, I think the subtitle is the the transformative power of hospitality and business. I think it's what it's called. Uh, but essentially, talks about about just that. You know, we are in a business to do a certain thing, but it, it, it's how you treat people um, that that leaves that lasting impression. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. I've had that in my Kindle that I bought the book. <laughs> I, I have a habit of doing this. I'll buy books that I want to read and then I forget to read them. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> but I am going to, I, I've been staring at that book in my Kindle screen. I'm going to read that in the next couple of weeks. There's another really good one that I'm blanking on that Vanessa uh, recommended to me. And as we're kind of talking, I'll dig it up. But it's, it's something, I think it's the book that Gusto recommends mm. for all their people to read. Um, cause we've actually found, you know, we, we work with gusto so much. It's ridiculous. And they, we call it that sometimes also the happy sandwich is, um, okay. is one of their techniques, which is start with a greeting kind of, you know, say hello or how are you doing? Things like that. And then provide a good response, like the meat of the response and then end with something happy. And that yeah. actually works really, really well. It's, um, I love it's, it. it's great. The book I'm thinking of that Vanessa recommended is the customer rules. And oh, that's, cool. I'm halfway through that and that's really good too. So you can check that out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same as you. I've got this like stack of startup books on my bedside table. I actually buy the hard copies to, so that I, because I think that that's going to convince me to read it. But, but you know, my, my partner says that my stack keeps on getting bigger and I'm, I'm not reading any of them. <laughs> Sometimes when you're living the startup life, you're like, I've learned enough lessons for today. I don't, yeah. uh, I don't need to learn another lesson tonight at, yeah. at bedtime. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you know, at, the other thing we were talking about kind of before we hit record was, you know, you've, you've had this really fascinating journey of, 
of developing the idea and then having that kind of search for product market fit. And maybe you could kind of share that with the audience because there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are either working on that kind of concept or right in the middle of the search for product market fit. And maybe you can tell them your journey and how you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to talk to that a little bit. Um, It's definitely not a journey of doing everything right. (laughs) In fact, you know, a lot of mistakes were made along the way, particularly, you know, in the first year we were, you know, trying, trying to figure out what kind of company we wanted to become. We didn't know whether we were going to be a pure leisure company, whether we were going to be a, a corporate travel company. And I think as a result, what ended up happening to us is, you know, we had some really great early press. Um, you know, Chris Messina posted us on Product Hunt uh, in like the first week of, of us being around. So we had this huge influx of customers then. Um, and then about six months later, we were picked up in a New York Times article and in the same month picked up in an Economist article, which totally, you know, made it made it so that we had prematurely scaled a, a lot of a lot of things, made a lot of customers happy, made a lot of customers unhappy during that period. Um, but our biggest problem at that point was the problem set was way too big. You know, we had leisure travelers taking, you know, these massive trips across Southeast Asia and, and asking for all these features related to that. Um, we had frequent travelers like like you that did do a combination of business travel, a combination of leisure travel. And then we had some travelers that were, you know, at Microsoft and asking if we could like log into their Concur account and and book travel through their Concur account. Um, and and it, it, it was just such a wide gamut of personas that it made product development really hard. And, and as a result, we were you know trying to please everybody and actually pleasing nobody. So about about eight months in, um, my co-founder and I sat down and we, we had a conversation about you know, what, what we wanted to become when we grew up, you know, had a little bit of that mission, vision, values conversation. Uh, actually, a lot of, a lot of um, intercoms writing on, on that stuff uh, led a lot of our thinking there because I think they do a phenomenal job there. <laughs> For sure. And um, they have like kind of, they were an agency, right? And then became a little bit yeah. more of a pure play software. And so they're in yeah. that same zone that you're in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, they had this, this, the same kind of come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and um, as a result, have a very beautifully worded mission, vision, and values. Um, you know, Intercom thinks that the way that businesses communicate online is broken and, and they want to fix that. Like that's such a clear art articulation of their, of why they're around, um, which I love and really respect. Um, Gusto's got a great one too. <laughs> so, so, you know, we sat down and had that conversation we looked at all the products that were on the market, tried to figure out what we wanted to build and, and what the market you know, really, really wanted us to build. Um, and, and the main conclusion that we walked away with was th- there's a lot of great there's a lot of great travel products in in the leisure travel business. Um, you know, they're not all getting 100 percent there as, as far as you know, where, where we think delightful products should exist. But but the gap to delightful products in the leisure travel space is, is so much smaller than the gap to delightful products in the corporate travel space. And that's not to say that there isn't innovation in the corporate travel space. You know, a lot of really smart people are working there, but you know, there, there, there certainly aren't, there's certainly a dearth of, of delightful products um, and products that people really want to use, want to talk about and share with each other. You know, in the leisure space, Sam's building an awesome business at Hotel Tonight. Um, you know, I have to give credit where credit's due. You know, Kayak, Expedia, Priceline have built very well converting online booking flows. And, and, and so, 
we realized that when we, we grew up, we wanted to be a, a corporate travel business. Um, so, so that was phase one of, you know, segmenting down, narrowing down the market um, to a place where we, we find a really narrow market segment where we can make customers really happy and then expand out from there. Um, it's, it's that, that odd lesson that you learn as a startup founder that feels very backwards and honestly feels backwards from a lot of the, the, the things that you're pressured to talk about in, in investor conversations. Um, but, but it is that focus on the most narrow market possible. Um, and if you find you know, people with a lot of pain there, you'll find subsequently as you move out further and further, um, in, in, into new markets, into into new use cases of your product, you'll learn how to to make them happy too. But you can't boil the ocean. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean we we went through the similar thing way before we ever met, which was, you know, Vanessa started the firm doing LLCs and S corps and Delaware C corps, and what we found was the Delaware C corps were just we we if we focused on those one hundred percent of the time we could develop really amazing processes. Whereas there's so much variability mm. in kind of the LLC yep. S corp. Cause those are like kind of an analogous to consumers. They're, they really are kind of personal people running like their personal businesses. And so we could really build strong processes and not mm. just build strong processes, but just absolutely nail what those people needed for those businesses. And so we did the same exact thing you did. And I think, I actually think I've heard Vanessa give this advice to a lot of startup founders, like focus on that narrow use case to even, and you, you actually mentioned this, like VCs, they want to see the $10 billion market and the slide deck and talk about how you're going to yep. solve every yep. person's problem. But it's, it's because they're not the ones that have to go out there and solve those problems themselves and deal with customer support and deal with the weird situations. That's just like them dreaming and being able to yep. tell their investors that they're investing in a company that has this addressable market. But the people who are actually executing know that, you know, getting kind of your recipe down for that narrow market is is really the way to both sustainability, but also real, real long term success. So I, I agree with 100 percent of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I think the, the sophisticated investor will will want to see both, you know. Where are you starting small, and then and then where does this go to? And you know we've we've worked on that story, <laughs> and and figured out figured out what that path looks like. But but you're totally right, and I love the analogy of of you know focusing on a specific type of, of company for um, in accounting. Yeah, and so you found like the it's, it sounds like that corporate environment, and then it sounds like like the recruiting aspect has been just just huge for you guys. It, it, it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, that's something that maybe it really solves the pain point for people who are critical in the recruiting process. Yeah. Like, you know, how'd you, how'd you yeah. kind of discover that? Yeah. It, it, good question. So we went from, we went from that corporate travel um, angle, started building out some specific products and services there, having seen some moderate success, but still not, you know, that, that ramp that, that you get when you feel, like you have product market fit, or at least inklings of product market fit, where you know the numbers start growing faster than than you expected them to. Numbers were still growing slow, and one of our advisors gave this offhanded comment um, in in one of our um, conversations about, hey, you know, take a look at all the times when someone's traveling but they're not paying for it. Um, and I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, you know, like an on-site interview when someone's coming in the interview, you know, they're not an employee, so they're not going to use the corporate travel product that a company has. Um, but, but they need to get there and someone's going to coordinate that for them. 
I was like, okay, cool. Uh, interesting. Um, feels niche, you know, was my, my initial reaction. Um, and the, so the first conversation that we had was with a recruiter, um, who, you know, to do a little discovery around this. And she just went on this, you know, it was supposed to be a half hour call. She took an hour and a half explaining how painful the process was, where she was essentially, you know, playing travel agent for all of the candidates that she wanted to, you know, fly on site for an interview with her company. Um, and, and, you know, one, not what she was good at. She's good at finding great people, not, not coordinating their travel plans. And two, you know, a massive distraction um, to, to, to her core job. And three, these candidates were so critical, she didn't want to be the, you know, she didn't want to be the, the person handling the travel coordination. She wanted an expert to, to be handling the travel coordination. So um, you know, we built a, sub, a very small subset of our product um, that we called Pana Recruiting. Um, it enabled you to invite a traveler um, to, to take a trip on the, the platform. It's, you could specify the parameters of their trip, you know, when they needed to be there, when they needed to leave. And then we would take all of that data, reach out to the traveler, handle all the coordination um, with them, get everything booked, send the recruiter back the itinerary. And then, you know, day of travel, during their travel, you know, we're checking them into their flight, we're sending them local recommendations when they land, you know, all the stuff that you loved about Pana um, during your trip, we would provide for that candidate. Um, and, and that product had, has just taken off for us. Um, you know, it's been our fastest growing product. Um, our, our NPS scores for that product are off the charts compared to everything else. Um, and and, and it's, it's, it's really been amazing to see, you know, how, I think the biggest lesson I learned here was it wasn't a significant product change. You know, it really was a, a market shift and, and an investigation into different problem sets um, that I that I think really helped us find some of this beachhead product market fit that we're going to build off of. And I think so many founders, you know, look at the product market fit problem that, you know, all series C to series A companies have to figure out. And they say, OK, what changes am I going to make to my product to make it fit for the market? And I, and I don't think any of them realize or I mean, the, the smartest ones do that the easiest shifts to be made to be made are, are the market shifts. Um, and, and figuring out if there really is a different or adjacent market to, to what you're focusing on um, that, that your product has better fit in. That is a ton of amazing wisdom there. That is, that's, that, I wish I could bottle that. I guess we can because we're recording this. But yeah, even if I just kind of take apart some of the things you said, like, first of all, that person is dealing with a, it's like a sale. When you're hiring someone, you're selling them on oh, a yeah. new organization. So that is oh, a yeah. critical sale. And what better kind of demonstration of professionalism and taking it serious, you know, the candidate seriously than giving them like their own travel concierge and helping them work out trouble. I mean, that is like, it's brilliant. And it's, it's just like, I, I guarantee you guys are having like a meaningful impact on conversion for candidates who are traveling to those kind of meetings or those kind of interviews. So kudos to you. And then I think your point about, so. yeah. And I think your point about, aiming a, a, in a different, slightly different direction rather than rebuilding whatever, you know, you think you might need to rebuild is such a great point because, you know, we have, we have 160 clients. I see across our client base kind of what people do when they don't nail product market fit on their first time. And often mm -hmm. the easiest thing to do is focus on engineering and building something else because, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's something you control. It feels good mm -hmm. to come to work every day and write more code or do whatever, but actually <laughs> totally going out not. and 
you know, don't you think it's like, and, yeah. but actually going out and talking to different types of people than you've actually been talking to or looking at a different market or looking how it could be applied differently is uncomfortable. Cause, cause you may be told first you have to make, you have to admit that what you first built wasn't the correct fit. And yep. then you have to go to those people and you may get rejected and very few people can take rejection like that. And so, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit for, it's, it's like a maturity slash, you know, willingness to kind of look yourself in the mirror and say, we didn't nail it the first time, but I know that I know the tech is solid and we just need to find the right person to talk to. Thanks. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad you're having, yeah. And I'm glad you're having the success. That's really exciting. It, it, it's been fun, uh, but the book, the book hasn't been written yet. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there's still yes. a lot of um, mistakes to be made. <laughs> And lessons yeah, to be it's, it goes back to that. Uh, I've learned enough lessons for today and I'll <laughs> learn some more tomorrow kind of situation. Exactly. Uh, you know, now that you've kind of, you've, uh, you know, maybe not all your focus, but probably a lot of your focus is going to that market. And what, what new kind of features or what's, what's the future look like for Pana? Yeah, I, I, I think we're really interested in looking at corporate travel and looking at all the different use cases of, of why, why is someone traveling for business? Um, I think when you when you typically think about it, you think of the the what's called in in the corporate travel business transient travel, which is you know a, tra- a traveler going to from point A to point B to sell a product or to go to a you know go to um, a different office or to go on site with a customer to fix something. Um, but there are actually so many different ways, well, so many different reasons why people travel um, for corporate travel. Uh, you know, there there's event travel, meetings and events. Um, you know, Salesforce throws Dreamforce every year. HubSpot throws HubSpot inbound. Airbnb throws Airbnb open. Um, that there's a huge amount of travel that goes into that, where um, there are specific work, specific workflows, specific processes that that are best in class for for those types of flows. In the same way that you figured them out for for LLCs. You know, what if we could figure that out for for those use cases? We've done it for recruiting. You know, I I would like to you know. I'd, I'd like to believe that we are one of the best in the world at, at, and have journey mapped out every single piece of the recruiting travel flow better than anyone else. So you know, it, it's going to be getting better at that, figuring out what specific products and use cases can be built to make specific products, specific features can be built to make that use case better. And then it's starting to look at some of those other verticals and seeing how some of our lessons here can be applied there um, and, and doing that process of, again, slowly moving out more and more. And and finally, you know, reaching that that billion dollar total, you know, ten billion, hundred billion dollar total addressable market that that you show in your slide deck on day one. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, you know, like the the recruiter at Salesforce, you know, they may be talking to the person who puts on Dreamforce and says, "Hey, by the way, this Pana app has just completely solved my recruiting problems. You should look at it for Dreamforce." And the same thing with HubSpots. You know, there's a nice little. There's a real nice synergy once you get one use case kind of locked down. Yep. Um, because then other people, instead of hearing, they start hearing about your success and how great you're doing in that one aspect. And then they start dreaming about how it can solve their problems. So, yeah. So, yeah, you're, I mean, like you said, the book's not written, but you're, you've taken a really big step and, and that's really exciting. Thanks. Yeah. Don't, don't give away my entire evil plan, <laughs> but that's exactly it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That was just pure speculation. No, I'm like, oh. no. <laughs> Those, you know, that's how people operate yeah. though. Like, you know, it's, it's the, 
the friends telling each other they should, you know, use a new, a new app or, you know, whatever it is, that's, it's the most powerful form of marketing. And that's the, you use the word delightful or delighted a couple different times. I'm sure you do that on purpose because yep. delighted customers, you know, really have a positive word of mouth and it just makes, makes your life easier and everything. Yep. We've talked about you guys quite a bit. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Indeed. That was very kind of you. Well, you know, this is this has been fantastic. And I, maybe you could just kind of, you know, tell the audience where they can find you and just kind of, you know, if they're whether they're a recruiting manager or maybe there's someone who is putting on a big conference um, that's listening, where they can reach out to you and how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. They, they can find us at, at Panda.com. Uh, Panda.com slash recruiting has a lot of the information about that specific solution. Um, but but if, if you're an individual traveler or you work at a company that does a lot of travel, um, there, there's a bunch of information on the site. Or, you know, shoot me a note directly. I'm just D at Panda.com. Um, and I'd, I'd love to chat. Awesome. Well, Devin, thanks for taking time. I Again, I can't recommend the app enough. And then when I say app, what I'm really saying is the workflows and the amazing people behind the scenes, though, you know, the one feature request, I love to be able to like recognize, you know, the, the agents <laughs> who are the best yeah. inside the app. Like I, I was, you know how in iMessage you can kind of click and like thumbs up a message or something like that. Yeah. Now? Yeah. That would be an amazing feature to be able to give a thumbs up to whoever the best. Cause I had a lot of situations where that weren't easy in the, the Pana travel agent, like went out of their way and figured something out for me. And that would be a really nice kind of feedback loop. So maybe that's something uh, the engineering team can build down in the future. I like that a lot. I'll, I'll take that back. That's a great idea. Well, and, and I got sidetracked, but anyways, highly recommend the app. It's awesome. Great service. And, uh, you know, I use it for personal, but I, I, I think it's probably even more powerful for corporate travel. So check it out. And, uh, and Devin, thanks for being on Founders and Friends. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.